Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 93, Underpricing Luxury. I am Neil. It has been three months since Apple unveiled wireless AirPods. It may not seem like it, especially for those who are trying to buy a pair of AirPods. Head on over to apple.com, place your order. It still takes six weeks for AirPods to ship. Like with most new products, I reach new takeaways as I'm using the product. And AirPods are no different. After three months, I have a new takeaway about AirPods. And this takeaway is becoming more clear as time goes on. It doesn't relate directly with the product, but rather with pricing. Apple is underpricing AirPods. The same dynamic is found with Apple Watch. At $269, Apple Watch Series 1 is underpriced. This seems unusual, because as Apple pushes deeper into luxury brand territory, one would assume Apple pricing will go up, not down. In reality, Apple is making its products more accessible through lower pricing. That's going to be today's topic, where we're going to take a closer look at Apple's evolving pricing strategy. At $159, Apple is underpricing AirPods. And I know if I say it a few more times, it probably still seems just as outlandish when you first hear it. How can a pair of headphones that cost $159 be considered underpriced? Have I lost my mind? The thing is, wireless AirPods, they're not like any other kind of wireless headphone. They're certainly not like wired headphones like AirPods. The combination of accelerometers, optical sensors, Apple's new W1 chip, even the well-designed charging case. I am increasingly impressed with AirPods charging case, carrying case. I think that piece of the experience is top-notch. All of those factors, they position AirPods as Apple's second wearables product. This isn't just a pair of headphones. They're computers for your ears. And I think that distinction does a much better job at framing $159. Before we go any further, I did want to point out that whenever we talk about dollars and other financial topics, it's a little bit tricky since a portion of you live outside the U.S. and deal with other currencies, and there's a slightly different dynamic when it comes to pricing. For example, an iPhone is not priced equally in every single country. Those of you who are listening to this in Brazil are well aware of that, where iPhones have a higher price tag compared to, say, the U.S. For simplicity purposes, in this episode, I am only going to talk about dollars. So I'm not going to really worry about converting it into other currencies. Now, some of you may say, well, wait a second. In my country, Apple products are priced a lot higher, or they're priced differently than the U.S. I am well aware of that. I don't think that changes much of what we're going to talk about in today's episode. I know it certainly doesn't change the main conclusions that we have when talking about Apple management motivation when it comes to pricing. Apple could simply price its products higher in the U.S., and you would see a higher price in your own country. This is one reason why I'm very careful in using the word underpriced, or I use the word 
lower price because I think it's very important to go by relative terms. It's important to place Apple on a spectrum and then put competitors on that same spectrum and compare pricing. That's what this is all about. So even though in your country, Apple product pricing may be a little bit different, as you'll see in this episode, I think the major takeaways, they'll still apply in your scenario. Back in September, when Apple unveiled AirPods, I was a little surprised to see the reaction from some people when it came to pricing. They looked at $159 as a sign that Apple has lost touch with customers. How can Apple price this product so high? It should be $99. It should be $49. I think there is a situation here that needs a little bit more explanation. I think a lot of those people who say that, who were running with the idea that Apple pricing in terms of AirPods was so excessive, they never used the product. And they weren't really aware of how different the product is compared to other headphones. We still see this issue when we look at headphone buying guides. I don't think AirPods should be compared to lower-priced wired headphones. When you look at these headphone buying guides, they lean very heavily on sound quality. And I think what ends up happening is that short changes truly wireless headphones. Now, I will admit, if you're talking about headphones, sound quality is pretty important. They're going to be used for listening to music, phone calls. The thing is, wireless AirPods, I actually think they have better sound quality than wired AirPods. But that misses the point here. These buying guides, they misidentify why consumers would actually want to buy a pair of wireless AirPods. The primary value proposition with the product, it's not found with sound quality, but rather it's found with not having any wires. That's why you would pay $159. This means that I think the product should be compared to other truly wireless headphones. I think that is the closest competitor in terms of pricing. That's how we can determine how does $159 rate with other products in the marketplace? Well, it turns out it is very difficult to find a pair of wireless headphones that's priced lower than AirPods. What I did, and I had this over at AboveAvalon.com in this week's article, I looked at all of the wireless headphone options that existed in the run-up to the AirPods unveiling this past September. Since then, pricing is all over the place. Competitors have been slashing pricing in response to $159. Don't go by that. Look at what pricing was before Apple entered the market, before Apple unveiled its AirPods pricing. It's pretty remarkable. When you go through the list, all of these brands are $300, $299. We have Motorola, $249. Samsung, $199. When you go through the list, I think a strong case could have been made that Apple would price its new wireless AirPods at $249, even $299. The fact that Samsung priced its wireless headphones at $199, I thought that suggested there's no way Apple would unveil AirPods at less than $200. Instead, look at what happened. By giving wireless AirPods a $159 price tag, Apple removed all available oxygen from the wireless headphone space. It was like sending shockwaves pulsing through the market. What's so incredible 
is when you compare this scenario, this reality, with the Apple reality of 10 years ago, where there was a serious debate out there that Apple was artificially pricing its products above competitors. This was also called the Apple tax days. I'm sure some of you were familiar with that. We primarily saw this with the Mac. The belief was that Apple used its brand to ram higher prices through the market. Look at what's going on now. Apple is coming out with a new product that underprices nearly every other competitor in the space. I think that reality was unimaginable 10 years ago. We now have all of these wireless headphone companies, they're cutting pricing, trying to better compete with AirPods, and they still can't match that $159 price. It is true that some of these competing products, they include additional capabilities and functionality when compared to wireless AirPods. So one would argue, well, maybe that means they can run with a higher price. They are giving something more to the consumer. However, I would respond with a slightly different interpretation. Even though other products could include additional capabilities and functionality, all of that benefit is overshadowed by one thing. They don't have Apple's W1 chip. If you're looking at the experience that's produced by using AirPods, that W1 chip plays a very important role. I would also add the carrying charging case to the list. I think that piece of the AirPods experience is underrated. Not enough people are talking about the AirPods charging case. I could probably have an entire episode dedicated to this one thing. What is so special about the charging case? It's design. Apple knows that we are going to interact with this charging case almost as much as we interact with the actual AirPod itself. The way the device's magnets make charging that much more simple. The fiddle factor that's found with the charging case. Again, as I said, I could go a whole episode here describing the AirPods charging case. The point is, AirPods have qualities. They have features that other products in the marketplace don't have. You would think that would give Apple enough leeway, enough power to give AirPods a premium price in the marketplace, to go for that $249, to go for that $299 price. Apple did the opposite. As we will talk about shortly, it is likely that Apple knows the wearables market introduces a new type of battle. With AirPods, you're not just going up against your direct, truly wireless headphone. You're going up against people who don't use any headphone. That could be coming into the equation as to how Apple's determining AirPods pricing. If we turn to Apple Watch, we've talked a lot about Apple Watch. I think the product has momentum. It's doing a lot better than most people are saying. Interestingly, a very similar pricing dynamic is found with Apple Watch. In March 2016, Apple cut the entry-level price for Apple Watch by $50 to $299. This past September, Apple announced a new Apple Watch pricing strategy. Instead of taking the first-generation Apple Watch and just kind of putting it to the side, they updated it. They gave it a new dual-core processor, the same one that's found in Apple Watch Series 2. 
they gave the watch a new name, Apple Watch Series 1. And they gave it another price cut. This time was $30 to $269. At $269, Apple Watch Series 1 is one of the lowest price smartwatches worth buying in the marketplace. I think this is one reason why Apple reported record Apple Watch sales this past holiday quarter. However, when you look at competing smartwatches, even the Apple Watch Series 2, priced at $349, is one of the lowest priced smartwatches in its class. We can look at Fossil, Garmin, Samsung, all of those smartwatches. And again, it was a little bit difficult trying to find smartwatches that are actually selling in volume. There's not too many out there. But when you look at what has been popular with consumers, look at these prices, $599, $399, $350, $349, Fossil Q Founders, $275. Well, $349, Apple Watch Series 2 is extremely competitive with all of those other smartwatches. It just goes back to, again, that Apple tax era. It is so over. We now have Apple coming out with new products and they're priced under the competitors in its class. If you look at Apple Watch pricing, I actually think it's gone even further. It's basically reduced the gap between Apple Watch and dedicated health and fitness trackers. Fitbit management does not want to admit this, but I do think Apple Watch has been impacting Fitbit's business. When you only have a $70 gap between Apple Watch Series 2 and Fitbit Plays, I really want to see how you can say that Apple Watch is not impacting business for Fitbit. What is going on here with Apple product pricing? What is the logic? What is the motivation guiding this new pricing strategy? Or is it even a new pricing strategy? Is this just a continuation of what we've been seeing? To answer these questions, I wanted to come up with a number of possible theories, a number of possible explanations. I didn't just want to come up with one explanation, talk about it in detail, and then just leave it at that. Instead, I spent some time coming up with a number of different theories as to what may be going on here. Here's our game plan. In the beginning, I just want to go over the three theories. I want to give all three at the same time. Then what we can do is break each one apart. So in the beginning, some of these may not sound completely right. That's by design. Once we get over all three, then we'll talk which makes the most sense, which does the best at describing what is really happening here with Apple product pricing. Here is theory A, iPhone as hub. So what this theory is all about is that instead of making a profit on Apple Watch and wireless AirPods, Apple is purposely underpricing those devices in an effort to boost iPhone sales. Why would they do that? There's higher margin found with iPhone and services. So because Apple is positioning these wearable products as iPhone accessories, they view them as tools to keep us hooked on our iPhone, keep us attached to our iPhone. So then when it's time to buy a new iPhone, well, it's a more sticky situation. We now have all of these devices that are making us basically be glued to our iPhone. We are more likely to stay with iPhone during that next upgrade. 
That's theory A. Again, it's not that I agree with that theory. I'm just pointing it out there. That's theory A, iPhone as hub. Theory B, manufacturing scale. So this is the most straightforward theory. Apple has simply gotten better at making products at a lower cost. So you look at the initial production ramp for Apple Watch, wireless AirPods. Safe to say we're talking millions of units here. Apple management can use scale and its existing supply chain to quickly bring down component manufacturing costs for this new breed of personal tech gadgets. Theory C, consumer segmentation. In this theory, Apple management is using product pricing to grow the user base. So on one end, management is cutting entry-level pricing to make products more accessible. Pretty straightforward. If you lower pricing, demand increases. However, at the other end, Apple is coming out with premium SKUs, premium models targeting a different part of the user base. These Higher priced models, they are the things that actually boost Apple's overall margin profile. In a way, they are helping to subsidize what are lower margin models. We can look at the Apple Watch line as an example. So that's theory C, consumer segmentation. So which is right? Which theory has holes in it? Which seems to be completely wrong? On the surface, I actually think each theory seems to contain some logic. We know the iPhone is Apple's best-selling product, and we also know it's its most effective tool for growing the user base. That would seem to make sense, then, if Apple is coming out with accessories meant to boost iPhone sales. At the same time, we know that Apple has seen much progress in keeping component costs down across its product line. And in theory C, that seems to contain some logic there. However, there's one thing. Upon further examination, I think there's a serious flaw found with theory A. We could probably go into the whole fact that Apple is actually moving beyond the iPhone as hub product strategy, but that's not the serious flaw I see. Instead, the flaw is called iPad. I don't think wireless AirPods and Apple Watch pricing reflects a new strategy designed to juice iPhone sales. I think instead, Apple has been going down this pricing path for years. AirPods and Apple Watch are simply the latest clues of that long-term pricing strategy. We have to look at the iPad in 2010. When Apple unveiled the iPad, it was $499. Two years later, the company introduced the iPad mini, $329. That was remarkable. Those prices marked a sea change in the way Apple approached product pricing. This strategy that we're seeing unfold in terms of pricing, Apple's been going down this path for over seven years. At this point, I think we need a little bit more context as to what is going on here. We have to go back to the mid-1990s. Apple made a series of strategic mistakes during this time related to the Mac. Instead of trying to grow 
Mac market share, management chased profit. This is why Apple introduced a variety of high-priced Macs that were targeting existing Mac users. I don't know about you, but that sounds extremely similar to some of the criticism being pointed towards Apple from Mac loyalists. They're unhappy with the MacBook Pro. Instead, they want Apple to come out with all of these new Mac models designed for their needs, designed for their workflows. It's interesting. But back in the mid-1990s, Apple was having a difficult time targeting new users. Why? The strengthening Windows empire. What this did was it caused Apple to double down on niche instead of chasing mass market. Apple took a completely different strategy with iPad. With that device, priced at $4.99, Apple cared much more about grabbing market share. I think that attitude was born from motivation of not repeating the mid-1990s, not experiencing those dark days. We can't forget Apple's current management team It has experience with that era. Now, up until last year, there was thought to be one major caveat to Apple's market share ambition. It wasn't just that Apple was chasing market share, but Apple wanted share in the premium segments of the market. And then eventually the company would work its way down market. However, there is evidence to suggest that attitude is changing a bit as Apple sells wearables. When you look at AirPods pricing, when you look at Apple Watch pricing, I think it demonstrates Apple is looking to not only own the premium segment of the wearables market, but rather the entire market. As Apple runs deeper into luxury, the company's reducing entry-level pricing. It seems backwards. It's a curious development because one would assume the opposite occurs. Apple would chase higher pricing for exclusivity, for scarcity. What I think Apple's doing here is they're redefining the concept of luxury with the goal of selling mass market products. The prime example here is Apple Watch. If you look at the Apple Watch line, we have Apple Watch Series 1, 269. These are starting prices. 269. Apple Watch Series 2, 369. Apple Watch Nike Plus, 369. We have the Hermes starting at 1149. And of course, we have the Edition starting at 1249. Let's take all of those models and put them on a spectrum. On one end, we have Apple being very competitive in terms of pricing to every other smartwatch. 269, 369. Those prices are pretty attractive. On the other end, we have 1149, 1249. What Apple is doing there is selling different materials. They are selling a different kind of experience at much higher prices. What Apple is doing is they're segmenting the Apple Watch line to appeal to a wider variety of users. When you look at Apple Watch Series 1, I don't think they're just targeting the premium segment of the smartwatch market. I think they're going after the entire market. 
With AirPods, I think the example is even clearer. At $159, Apple is targeting the entire market, not just the premium segment of the market. How is Apple able to do this? What is Apple doing? Are they giving away these products at a loss? I don't think so. What I think is going on here is that Apple is utilizing its strong balance sheet and powerful supply chain to go after and secure very attractive component orders. Look at what the company has been doing in terms of owning its own silicon, owning other core technologies. I think we are starting to see the benefit of that strategy. And this is, again, a strategy that Apple put in place years ago. The benefit isn't just performance. It's also concerning pricing. Apple is able to lower the cost for these products to such a degree that competitors cannot match the same benefit. I think Apple's growing vertical integration here is allowing the company to run with lower pricing yet still maintain its margins. I think Apple Watch Series 1 at 269 it still contains a profit margin. The same applies for wireless AirPods. Look at Apple's growing legal battle with Qualcomm. According to Apple, they are very unhappy with Qualcomm's business model. They don't think it's appropriate. They don't think it's right. Where Qualcomm can take a certain percentage of a selling price rather than, say, a flat rate. I don't think it's just about that. I think what Apple wants to do is eventually get into the baseband processor business. By suing Qualcomm, what Apple wants to do is add a little bit of chaos into that market. And what this is going to do is make it that much easier for Apple to come out with its own system on a chip, where it contains its own processors, its own GPU, and its own LTE modem chip. Why is that so important? A cellular Apple Watch. I think that product could power a cellular Apple Watch and give Apple such an advantage over the competition that there is no competition. Now, the other thing that I want to mention is we talked about this early in the episode. I think with wearables, there's a different battle that's going on here. We talk about competition. Competition AirPods would be other truly wireless headphones. Competition to Apple Watch would be a Fossil smartwatch, a Garmin smartwatch. There's something else, though. There's battles that are going on for our wrist and for our ears. The competition is not just another smartwatch. It's not just another pair of wireless headphones. For Apple Watch, the competition is no device at all. A bare wrist is competition. An empty ear is competition for Apple. I think that plays a role in why Apple looks at Apple Watch and AirPod pricing as so crucial for bringing down that entry-level price. It's not that they're bringing down pricing across the line. Apple Watch Hermes, Apple Watch Edition. I think most people would agree. $1149 for an Apple Watch is not exactly a low-priced model. And that's the thing. Even at $269, that's certainly not an impulse purchase for people. You're not going to see many people go into an Apple store without any intention of buying an Apple Watch, see that it's $269, and walk away with one. Maybe some people that would work. And I wouldn't say that 269 is a low price for many people. That's a decent amount of money. This is why I use the term underpricing. I think if this was the Apple from 10 years ago, 
these products would be priced at a higher level. But what we have seen Apple do in terms of improving its vertical integration, in terms of controlling more of the components that power these devices, and in terms of building a superior supply chain for iPhone, that has changed Apple. That has given them the ability to run with more attractive pricing versus the past. I think that's a very crucial point. The other element here that's at play is that by Apple lowering entry-level pricing, they're going to boost sales. And what that does is it gives Apple the ability to place even larger component orders. We're going to get to the point where Apple is on pace to sell 20 million Apple Watches per year. For AirPods, I think the pace will be even higher than that. This dynamic provides additional flexibility to Apple. They are able to lower pricing even further over time as component costs decline. When you look at the competition, they just can't even get a foot in the door. If this sounds familiar, we saw this unfold in the tablet market during the early 2000s. HP couldn't even get their hands on the components that they needed to give their tablet a chance of success in the marketplace. I think the same thing is going to start taking place in a smartwatch market. We probably are going to look at the same thing in the wireless headphone industry as well. This is going to give Apple a competitive advantage versus the competition. I don't think a lot of people are talking about it yet. Given Apple's evolving pricing strategy, how should we look at the product line? What are some things to monitor here? Let's start with Apple Watch. I think at this point, a $199 Apple Watch is inevitable. I think it's going to happen. However, on the other end of the pricing spectrum, I think it's likely that Apple can announce new partnerships with luxury brands. We're going to see new models similar to the Hermes model. So you can see Apple's moving at both ends of the spectrum in terms of pricing. For AirPods, I think we're going to probably see an entire platform consisting of multiple AirPod models. We have lower price models on one end. They're going to contain certain features and components. And then we're going to have higher end options at the premium segment of the market. It's interesting how Apple actually started at the low end and probably will work its way up market as Apple introduces additional functionality to AirPods. These truly are computers for years. You're going to see a lot of additional functionality being added to these devices over time. iPhone. Look at the iPhone 7 Plus. Better than expected demand. The product is priced higher than the iPhone 6S Plus. I think it's a clear sign that we should expect higher priced iPhones in the future. It won't be across the entire line, but instead it will be a premium model. How do you justify that? I think the iPhone is going to change. It's going to morph from being just a computer that fits in one's pocket into a personal augmented reality navigator. In order to do that, it needs to have the most capable cameras to ever fit in a pocket. So component costs are going to increase a little bit. We see this with the iPhone 7 Plus and that dual camera system. So I do think you're going to see a higher priced iPhone. However, at the other end of the spectrum, I think Apple is going to continue to try to reduce entry-level iPhone pricing. I think Apple wants additional market share with iPhone. They want to bring new users into the fold. We also see what Apple's doing in terms of the iPhone 6. They are actually bringing back the device in a few select markets, and it's priced even lower 
than the iPhone SE. It's clear what they're doing here. They're chasing lower pricing, and they're not afraid to increase pricing at the other end. With iPad, recall what we talked about a few minutes ago. This was, I think, the first product category that really demonstrated Apple's pricing strategy. The entry-level price for an iPad is $269. I have some difficulty here seeing how Apple can significantly lower that price from there. However, on the other end, look at what they're doing with iPad Pro. They are introducing higher price models. It's very similar to what they're going to do with the iPhone. I think that trend's going to continue. So you're going to see iPad average selling price probably increase over time. We then have one last hardware product category, the Mac. After I published this week's article over at AboveAvalon.com, I have been getting a lot of responses about the Mac, with people saying, that doesn't seem to match what you're talking about here, with Apple underpricing products, trying to lower entry-level pricing. That doesn't apply to the Mac. What's going on there? I think the Mac's position within the Apple product line needs to be considered. If you want an entry-level price Mac, buy an iPad. That's Apple's messaging. Meanwhile, look at what Apple's doing with the existing Mac line, those new MacBook Pros. Prices are actually increasing. That's similar to what we see with the iPhone. It's similar to what we see with the iPad. And we actually do see this with Apple Watch, where Apple, they're still selling higher-priced Apple Watch models. So while the Mac is a little bit different, I don't think it necessarily disproves what we've been talking about in this episode. Instead, there is no room for Apple to lower entry-level Mac pricing. Apple wants market share. They think the best way of doing that is with iPad and not Mac. This brings us to the last topic for today's episode, and that is, what is really Apple's big picture goal here? What is driving Apple with pricing? I think it's all about bringing new users into the Apple ecosystem. That is why we see AirPods at 159. That's why we see Apple Watch starting at 269. We know that the iPhone is the most effective tool for accomplishing this, for bringing new users. And we're talking about 100 million users a year. It's a very big number. However, Apple wearables is a new chapter here. I think Apple wearables will represent another tool for Apple management to bring people into the ecosystem. I said this on Twitter a couple days ago, and a lot of people were a little bit unsure about it at first. When you look at wireless AirPods, you don't actually need an Apple device to use the product. It works with Android smartphones. I think AirPods will represent the first Apple product for more than a few people out there. That's very telling as to where wearables fit into this picture of bringing people into the Apple ecosystem for the first time. If we go back to episode 92, wearables as a platform, I think additional value is going to flow to companies who can sell multiple wearable products to the same user. If you're wearing an Apple Watch, if you're using wireless AirPods, not only do I think you're more likely to stay in the Apple ecosystem, but you're more likely to buy that next Apple wearables product. So I think there's going to be quite a few Apple products that are designed for wearables. As it currently stands, if you look at the average Apple user, they own more than one Apple product. That's a big deal in consumer electronics. And I think this trend will only intensify as time goes on 
when you look at where Apple's going with wearables. The interesting thing about this topic is it seems very tricky for Apple because here you have a company who's running with lower prices, but at the same time trying to become more of a luxury brand. This is why I think Apple's ultimately redefining luxury. Now, the idea of utilizing lower-priced items to bring people into your ecosystem, that's not new to luxury. We see other luxury brands doing this in the past. They have a couple items that are meant to sort of serve as brand entry points. However, Apple is taking that practice to an entirely new level. They are pricing products below the competition. That's new in terms of luxury. We have not seen that before. Apple is making luxury more accessible. Apple is telling us that they are confident they can take lower price gadgets and still have them create an experience that's just as luxurious as that of premium gadgets. That's a very big deal. It's going to be extremely difficult for other consumer tech companies to play at that game. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you enjoy this type of Apple analysis and you want more of it during the week, I offer Above Avalon membership, the cornerstone of which is access to an exclusive daily email all about Apple. Each email is roughly 2,000 words and contains two to three stories. As one example, we continued the discussion that I kicked off in this week's weekly article about Apple product pricing. We took a closer look at Apple's margins because just like pricing, I think Apple's gross margins are doing something unusual. As Apple works at lowering entry-level pricing, its margins are actually improving. That seems counterintuitive. So we took a closer look at what may be going on. I think there's a number of factors that explain how Apple margins can actually increase in this environment. Earlier in the week, one of the daily updates went over Apple's new sticker ad for iPhone 7. There's a lot of questions as to why is Apple dedicating an entire advertisement to stickers? That seems a little bit odd. Well, we went over what I think is really going on with Apple's push with stickers and, of course, more broadly, iMessage. Is it telling us that adoption rates aren't exactly where Apple wants them to be? Also, what does this mean about WWDC 2017? There could be a couple clues there. Another story we talked about this week was building iPhones in India. I think the move will have a significant impact for Apple's presence in India, where the company is focused on building its long-term brand. In the beginning of the episode, we talked about how Apple products are priced differently, depending on where you live. In some cases, it's because Apple doesn't produce products in a particular country. Well, building iPhones in India starts to solve that problem. And of course, we talked about other stories that I think had an impact on Apple this week. SoundCloud is apparently running into trouble. I think that has implications for music streaming and Apple Music. Intel bought Mobileye. I think that has implications for Project Titan and Apple's involvement in the car industry. And we also talked about why I don't think Snap is like Apple. See a lot of people going around saying, this is a company that's just like Apple. It's okay if Snap is just focused on a certain part of the market because that's what Apple's doing. Well, this episode sort of demonstrates that isn't what Apple is doing. So we went into detail as to why I really don't think Snap is like Apple. 
If you're interested in becoming an Above Avalon member, just head on over to AboveAvalon.com and then go to the membership page. That's where the sign-up forms are available. There's also additional information on membership. You can do this on an iPhone, iPads, very simple. Membership is $10 per month or $100 per year. As a member, you also have the option of joining the Above Avalon team in Slack. So you can chat with other Above Avalon members, and also that's where the archive exists. So you can go back and read previous daily emails. If you enjoy listening to the Above Avalon podcast, if you can leave a quick rating or review for the podcast in iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it. If you listen to this in Overcast, if you could recommend this episode, just press the little I button that's associated with this episode and then press recommend. That definitely helps spread the word of mouth, introduce the podcast to new people. I greatly appreciate it. With that, we will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all next week. Bye.